My Seven Chakras, Episode One Forty One. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head, for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers, and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here, founder and host of My Seven Chakras, your on-demand radio station for a transformation. Your source for practices that can help you balance your chakras and clear off any stagnant energy. And the show where we not only talk about practice but also learn about how our guests use those practices to overcome massive challenges in life. This is a show where we encourage vulnerability because no one is perfect. Although we always put our best foot forward or a hand forward in case you're doing a headstand. Action Tribe, we have a super episode for you today. But before that, I want to ask you this one question: What is your one-line definition of yoga? That's right. What is your definition of yoga in just one line? So post your replies on social, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and make sure you're using the hashtag My Seven Chakras so that I can find you, find your message, and get inspired by you. And with that, we are now ready to welcome our featured guest for today, Phyllis Chan. So Phyllis, are you ready to inspire? I sure am, AJ. That's great. Phyllis's classes are inspired by her love of travel, nature, music, meditation, and a personal yoga practice. She has practiced yoga since 2003 and she began teaching in 2011 with a love of adventure phyllis brings a spark of enthusiasm and playfulness to her yoga classes a consistent practice has brought peacefulness and joy which she loves to share with those around her phyllis teaches for west coast hot yoga and y yoga she also teaches private classes corporate classes and internationally in studios small ocean platforms and yoga festivals as a dedicated student fascinated with the human body phyllis is studying kinesiology at Langara College with the intention of pursuing an education in physiotherapy last year Phyllis was accepted into the 500 hour dharma yoga teacher training where she learned from 76 year old living yoga master shri dharma mitra so phyllis that was a short intro about your story but take an extra minute and tell us a bit more about your life sure aj thank you for that nice introduction so i'm a yoga teacher from vancouver and i teach mostly power vinyasa but i also love teaching the more gentler styles of hatha and yin so Currently, I'm teaching at the Pacifica Treatment Center, where I'm working with students who are dealing with drug and alcohol addictions, and I'm seeing how the therapeutic yoga is really benefiting them. I'm married to a wonderful partner.、Uh, we've been together for about 14 years, and we both love to travel and explore new cultures. Our favorite place right now is Thailand, and I just love that place. It's like paradise. We keep going back again and again, and I've been really blessed with the opportunity to. Teach yoga retreats and to teach classes out there as well. So I love connecting with people and I love learning new things. And、uh, this summer I've started learning how to play harmonium, which has been really exciting for me. So that's wonderful. Thanks a lot for that amazing intro. And I really look forward to learning more about your adventures and your story and、uh, how yoga plays a role in all of that. But、uh, before that, let me ask you: What is your favorite inspirational quote? And also tell us how you apply this quote 
in your day-to-day life? My favorite quote right now is one by Mahatma Gandhi, and he says, live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you were to live forever. So I live in a way where I try to do something inspiring every single day. I follow my heart and I like to live my passions. And so that involves spending time traveling and going on big adventures. I learn as if I were to live forever. I do that by not letting my age stop me in pursuing knowledge. So when I first started teaching yoga, I was a little bit uncomfortable touching and giving physical assistance class. And so what I did was I took a Thai massage training. And this was really beneficial because it taught me how to move bodies, not only physically, but also energetically. And in this training, they actually took us to the Chiang Mai University, where we got to take an up-close and personal look at cadavers. And I really solidified in my mind how lifestyle can affect your physical health. So I'm also learning a few different things right now. I'm learning how to boulder. I'm in this women in bouldering course. And uh, tomorrow I'm going up to Wanderlust where I'll be leading a yoga class for uh, outdoor rock climbing adventure up in Whistler. That sounds really exciting. Love the quote. Learn as if you were going to live forever in Action Tribe because you are listening to this podcast right now. We all know that you are learning as if you are going to live forever. So Phyllis, let's start with this. What is your definition of yoga? Yoga means union, and it's taken from the Sanskrit word yuj, which means to yoke. And so some people would say that it's a connection of your mind, body, and spirit. Also, it's the unity of microcosm and macrocosm. And if you're really spiritual, some people would even say it is uniting to God or to a higher self, higher purpose. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for that response. You said it means union, yoga, unity of mind, body, and spirit. Now, Phyllis, many of our listeners want to become yoga teachers, and they also say that teaching is the best form of learning. So for all the people listening to this episode right now, how do you get started as a yoga teacher? What's the process like? To get started as a teacher, I find that it's important to have a bit of a personal practice. Mm -hmm. There's so many trainings out there that are available right now, but I find that some of the good ones are the ones that want you to have at least two years of experience before you go out and you teach. So the first step is practicing and finding what you like. And then the second step would be to take a 200-hour training, which is the uh, certification that most studios will look for when they hire you. And uh, Yoga Alliance certification is something that uh, I found really helpful because it's a certification that you can use anywhere around the world. So it's recognized worldwide. And then from there, I'd say to find a mentor or find someone that can give you a little bit of support during your teacher journey because the beginning can be quite rocky and quite tough and vulnerable. But once you get past that first little bit, then I think it starts to it starts to become more smooth and uh, you get into your rhythm. Got it. So you spoke about your personal practice. Now I know that yoga is not just about poses or asanas, but the physical aspect of yoga is really important to the entire practice of uniting the body with the mind and the soul. And people spend hours at a time trying to learn a particular pose. So my question to you is, what was the most difficult pose for you to master? And what did you learn about yourself from that experience? Oh, that's a great question. So one of the poses I struggled with the most was called Supta Varasana. I don't know if you know this one, but it's the hero pose where you're sitting in between your heels and Mm. then you lean back 
and you lie down onto the floor. Now, when I first came to yoga, I was really stiff. I was probably the stiffest person in the room. And I felt like when I went to class that I was the only person that couldn't lie all the way down. <laughs> now, that's something in my own mind, but I know usually there's probably five or six people, but it takes a lot of flexibility to, um, to release into your quad muscles to come down. And so at the beginning, it was a lot about ego and making sure that I wasn't pushing myself into pain because I wanted to fit in with everybody else. And it took a few years, probably about six years before I could reach that flexibility of coming all the way down. And I think it was a big lesson in humility. You know, when you let go of trying to perfect the pose because you want to look cool, that's when it starts to happen is uh, it starts to happen more organically and more naturally. So when I stopped caring and just doing my best every single class is when it started happening. And even now, you know, if I was to practice in the morning, sometimes I can do it, sometimes I can't. I just try not to get too attached to it. Wonderful. It's interesting to note that as you were able to let go of your ego, your thoughts about fitting into, you know, that group around you and really learning to embrace your humility, it became a bit easier for you to get into that pose. So it's like a perfect example of mind and body mm -hmm. and the connection between the two. Now, based on your experience, one aspect of yoga is doing or performing yoga in a studio. And then there's another experience of, you know, going for a retreat. What's the difference between attending a yoga class at a studio and actually taking part in a retreat? Well, with the yoga retreat, I really enjoy yoga retreats because usually you tend to go somewhere else outside of your regular day-to-day -day life. So mm. the retreats I was leading was out in Thailand. So you're basically in paradise and you're moving away from all the hustle bustle of your everyday life. And I find that what happens on these retreats is you get to go a little bit deeper. So I'm spending more time with the students, like uh, about seven to 10 days even. And every day we're building on the practice, going deeper and deeper. And we have lectures on philosophy. We do a lot of uh, partner work and hands-on assists. And also the group starts to really get to know each other really well as, as well. And often that's one of the things that they like the most is you have people from all over the world who have similar interests and we all eat together and, you know, we talk yoga and we explore all these different ideas that we have coming together. So when you compare that to a one hour or 75 minute studio class in this city, I find that it's it's like a really nice way to integrate your practice into your being. Wow. So it's like a healthy holiday for mind, body and spirit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. And we're also eating really healthy food, sometimes organic, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, because some of these uh, retreats are uh, hosted in, in really amazing and picturesque locations, right? Like in Greece or maybe uh, Bali, Indonesia, somewhere in Mexico. Really beautiful. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I feel like people get deeper too when you're doing the practice for hours every single day for seven days, there's transformations mm. that are bound to happen and not just physically, but also in the mind. Got it. Now, speaking about a deeper connection, I know that last year you enrolled in the Dharma Life of a Yogi training at mm. Dharma Mitra Center. So firstly, for someone who's new to yoga, who is Dharma Mitra? And also tell us, what was the experience like? So Dharma is a 77-year-old guru based out of New York, and he is an incredible teacher. He's teaching from a lineage of yoga out of India, and his teachings are passed down by Yogi Gupta. So 
his practice is brought forth and shared with us, and it's from 50 years of his own personal practice. It's a classical Raja form of yoga and very traditional. So we delve a lot into pranayama, meditation, a lot of study of the spiritual texts. So it's the real deal. And, you know, when you're doing the training, it is quite strenuous. You have uh, committed to doing um, personal practice plans where you're on a sattvic diet. You're very clean. You're not eating um, meat or drinking wine or coffee or sugar or flour. And you're meditating for about an hour a day. You're doing chanting. You're journaling. You're really delving deep into the practice. You're also committing to practicing every day. So... Yeah, it was an incredible training. It was definitely one of the most intense that I've ever heard of or ever been in. But I really love it. You know, um, when I look at the people who practice Dharma, they mm -hmm. tend to have really beautiful open backbends because it's a devotional practice. But also, I was really struck by how humble everyone is. You know, Dharma is incredibly humble man. Mm -hmm. And all of his senior students are the humblest people you'll ever meet. So when I met them, I just knew that that was the style that I wanted to delve more into. So you spoke about the sattvic diet, no meat and a plant-based diet basically, right? So what was the reasoning behind that? Sattvic is, um, one, of the, is one of the states, one, it's one of the gunas. And so it brings you into a peaceful state of mind so that you can meditate. So mm. you're not eating spicy foods because these things can aggravate the mind or garlic or uh, coffee because stimulants. Sure. And what I find that when you do this uh, practice this sattvic diet, you start to see these changes in your body. So the flour, if you, when you take out flour, um, you find that your body becomes a little bit more supple. They say that it's the flour that makes your joints get stiff. So yeah, when I did this sattvic diet, it was definitely a big challenge, but I started to see my body start to change and I started to really notice how each different food would affect my state of mind or how I felt. Wonderful. Now let's take a few steps back. How did you first encounter yoga? What's the story behind that? So when I was in school, I was studying business at BCIT and I was mm -hmm. writing for the school newspaper. It was called The Link. Okay. <laughs> and one day the editor had uh, asked me and a good girlfriend of mine, like, why don't you guys go write this article at, on Bikram's? I have a couple free passes. So we went to the class and was down on Alberni Street. And I remember going and just being amazed by how good the practice made me feel. When I walked out of the class, I felt like a million bucks. You know, <laughs> I was dealing I was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety at the time and um it was one of the things that really helped me a lot and that seed had been planted, you know, it always stuck with me. Um I didn't get into a regular practice right away because I was a starving student, but I always remembered that feeling and then whenever I got really really stressed out, I would find myself going back to yoga again and again. Wonderful. It seems so mystical because you mentioned that you were writing for the school newspaper and someone just randomly asked you to write about Bikram Yoga and the person had passes. So, you know, there were no roadblocks. You went for the practice. You loved it. It felt great. It felt like the stress was just melted from you. And as you mentioned, you didn't start immediately, but then there was a seed planted deep in your mind. And when the right opportunity did arise, it was easier for you to make the transition. So when was the next time you actually started then? Then I just started when I came out of school and um, I think 
I, okay, this is kind of funny, is I used to struggle a lot with my weight. So I was going to the gym, I was, uh, you know, doing cardio, and I was doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I read somewhere in this book that said, okay, if you're doing weight training, you should really stretch, maybe do at least one yoga class a week, and then that will set you up. And so that was the idea. I started doing yoga once a week, just to complement my weight training practice. And that was the one thing that really helped me, you know, so then yoga eventually took over and I found that I was in the best shape from just doing yoga and not doing all these other uh, weight training practices. Wonderful. Now, there are two camps of people who practice yoga. Some say yoga helps you lose weight and some say they've tried yoga, they've done it, but they're not able to lose weight. Mm-hmm. What's the story? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, like the weight loss thing, it didn't happen the way that most people think that it would. Like it didn't happen through physical exertion because yoga, it actually slows down your heart mm-hmm. rate, right? So for me, what I found was it didn't happen right away. But as I practiced longer and longer, I became more aware of what I was putting into my body. And so my eating habits started to change where I would stop eating when I was full. I would start to want to eat more healthier things like organic or vegetarian. And then with the practice, I stopped eating, you know, two hours before practice and wanting to eat lighter and not as late at night. So I think that yoga helps bring these habits that would help me in losing weight, but it wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't like a weight loss plan and it wasn't my um, my initial idea to, to do it. It just sort of naturally came off without too much thinking about it. So I love that you mentioned really clearly that the weight loss was not directly because of the asanas or the physical aspect. Because you did yoga, your mindset changed, your lifestyle changed, your preferences also changed, and in turn, your habits and your discipline those were also transformed and that helped you you know reduce weight and overall become much more healthy and uh, and fit is that correct exactly yeah very well very well said got it <laughs> <laughs> so i read that you have an interest in kinesiology so how do you feel that that experience would impact your yoga practice would it provide you a different perspective or yeah you know the reason i'm interested in kinesiology and is because of the science of the body i feel like okay. i've delved so deep into the ancient traditions the ancient techniques and how that could help uh Um, like help you with your lifestyle and to feel good in the body. And now I'm interested in the science because I feel like there's new discoveries that we're making every day on what Mm -hmm. is beneficial to our bodies as we age. And I'm hoping to find this middle ground, hoping that this, I can bring the two together, the hard science with the spiritual facts and find something that will really benefit most people and their physical health. Awesome. So thanks a lot for that response. Now, from your perspective, from your experience, from your study, for someone who's absolutely new to yoga, hasn't tried out yoga yet, what are some of the benefits of the practice? So there's so many benefits to yoga, but I'm going to share with you the things that I experienced on my own. So the short-term things I experienced right away was just increased strength, increased flexibility, and the ability to feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, Also, it helped me out a lot with stress relief. And then as I got deeper into the practice in the long term, I found that I was able to use these tools to self-regulate. So I found this ability to calm myself 
yourself down. And that's a big part of the work I do at the treatment center is to teach people like, you know, you can take these deep breaths so that you can calm your mind down and these kind of techniques that can help you in everyday situations. Um, over time, I find that the body starts to really start to heal itself. You know, um, my husband, when we were first together, he was experiencing this chronic back pain and it was so hard on him. You know, he couldn't go to sleep some nights and it affected his mood. And so I convinced him to go to yoga and, you know, hot yoga was one of the things that really benefited him and it started that journey of healing. And now he has to do a few other things, but he's training for triathlons and he's running half marathons. So it's really nice to see this transformation um, in him as well. Um, I also find that with the practice of yoga, it allows an increased sense of connection and, um, you know, you stop feeling so lonely because you feel more connected with the world around you. Yeah. So, so many great benefits to yoga. I just absolutely love this practice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Asking this question to our guests allows us to see yoga in so many different dimensions because you brought so many more things to the table. You spoke about the ability to be comfortable in your own skin, the ability to self-regulate. And you sort of gave us a picture of yoga being a practice that gives you tools and techniques that helps you in times of stress, anxiety, or even chronic pain. And uh, that is something that is so invaluable. Now, Phyllis, you shared with us today so many amazing perspectives, stories as well. So based on what you've shared today, if you had to tell one of your students to go out in the world and take one action, what would that one action be? I think that I would tell that person to go out and do something that inspires them. So if there's one thing you're going to do in one day is to think about something that you love to do, something that makes your heart sing. And if you stay connected to this thing that you love, then you're going to become an inspiring person and lead to this change in the people around you. So there you go, Action Tribe. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So think about it. What is it one thing that you're going to do today that will inspire you? Just one thing so that we can start and build that momentum. And to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 141. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 141. Penetration of our mind is our goal, but in the beginning, to set things in motion, there is no substitute for sweat. This is an amazing quote by BKS Iyengar. Action Tribe, you have heard so many people tell you that meditation helps you melt away stress or maybe you reduce anxiety and experience peace of mind. Meditation can be a powerful tool to become one with yourself, especially during times of challenge or maybe during times of trials. And maybe you've tried, but you just can't seem to meditate or get that focus. At that point, remember that the mind and body are connected as we're learning today. When you find it hard to focus on the body, start with the mind. But if you want to focus on the mind, start with the body. And that is where yoga is so powerful. Through movement, through poses, through asana, you're slowly able to increase your focus and intent. And along with that, you will sweat a lot. Because as BKS Iyengar once said, there is no substitute for sweat. So Phyllis, let's go back in time now to a moment when you experienced a massive challenge. How did you approach the situation? And also let us know, how did you overcome it? Okay, so <laughs> this all happened when I was about to turn 30. And I really like to say, 
say that I had a midlife crisis when I was 29 years old. And the catalyst for all of it was when my partner had proposed to me. And I was thinking, you know, this should be the best moment of my life, right? But Mm -hmm. it shed some light onto how I was feeling at the time. And at the time, I was working this job at what I thought was my dream job at the time. It was a job in a fashion agency in Vancouver. And it was one of those jobs that, you know, I worked a lot and I was working for years and feeling really burnt out. And on the outside, it looked perfect. You know, I had a good job. I was wearing nice clothes and I was with the guy that I loved and going to all these like fun, fancy restaurants and things like that. But underneath it all, I started to feel this dark void, this emptiness, this loneliness. And I felt like at that point, I asked myself, you know, like, what am I doing? You know, this is not the life that I want to live. I realized that I was actually quite miserable and not the happiest person to be around. And what it came down to was I realized that I had set aside my dream to travel. And so I had quit my job and I went traveling for a year. (laughs) And uh, I explained it to him, like saying, you know, of course, you're welcome to come, but I need to do this whether you come or not. And I need to, I want to go away for a year. And everybody just thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, his friends were like, mm-hmm. what's going on? He, pro- he, You propose and she wants to take off halfway around the world. And my boss was saying, you know, it doesn't make sense. She's making good money. Like, uh, why? I don't understand. And, you know, it didn't matter that it didn't make sense to other people. I just knew that it really made sense to me. And so on this trip, I decided that I was going to do all of the things I didn't have time to do because I was so busy at work. I decided to take a yoga teacher training. I did a 10-day Vipassana. I got a SLR camera and I delved into photography and like met all kinds of cool people, went on all kinds of cool adventures. And that was a really pivotal point in my lifetime. You know, it uh, gave me the freedom to see like what I wanted to have in my life. And it gave me the ideas of how to create the life that I wanted to live. And um, what ended up happening was my partner ended up coming out and meeting me partway through the trip. And he discovered he loved traveling too. So when we came back, we made those changes. We structured our lives so that we could work for nine months of the year at home and then go travel for three months of the year. And I discovered that I really was passionate about yoga and I wanted to delve into that more. So yeah, this journey took me on a totally different direction, but it was definitely worth every penny. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that amazing story of your challenge. If you had to share one major life lesson from what you experienced with our listeners, what would that one major life lesson be? That lesson would be to never settle. You know, if you're feeling unhappy or discontent with things that are happening in your life, whether it's your job or your relationships, you know, I encourage you to do something about it. You know, it's never too late and uh, don't be afraid to take the risk because it'll be worth it. Sometimes when I tell people my stories, they'll say things like, oh, you were so brave or that must have been so hard. But I think it would have been way harder to not travel and not pursue my passions because even if I failed at what I did, not trying would make me even more unhappy and it would be uh, taking away from my sense of purpose and, and my sense of self. Okay, so there were some really powerful, profound nuggets of wisdom in your response. I just want to make sure that our listeners get all of it. You said when you turned 30, you had a midlife crisis on the Outside, it seemed like everything was perfect. Your partner had proposed to you. You had a great job. You were hardworking as a professional. You were getting paid well. And it 
seemed like something that many people would wish for, but deep down you felt something was missing. And you asked yourself, what is that one thing that's missing or two things that are missing? And you decided and you realized that what was missing was your love for travel and doing things your way. And that's when you took a decision. You took, took a decision to, to travel and everyone around you began asking questions and sort of connecting the dots and making assumptions. But you sort of didn't listen to them. You did what you felt was right. And you did those things that were on your mind that you were always postponing. You had an adventure, so to speak. And through this story, you've really taught us a lot of things. Firstly, Action Tribe, do what your heart feels right. Structure your lifestyle to serve you, even though others might not agree initially. Once they see the transformation, the happiness that you're having and the change that you've made, they might ask you, how did you do that yourself? And ultimately, Action Tribe, if you feel something deep down, never settle, take action. We've learned so many things today. Uh, we've learned about yoga. We've learned about life. We've learned about embracing our challenges. We've learned about going on that epic quest and becoming like the hero or heroine of your own journey. Yoga is not just about doing poses. It's not just about showing your perfection. And it's definitely not about how flexible you are. Yoga is about making an effort. It's about showing up each and every time. Yoga is about taking action. And that's why it's your turn now, as Phyllis shared earlier, to go out in the world, decide what is that one thing that you want to do that really serves you and take action towards your vision. Write down your goals, visualize them every day and read them out. And remember the words of Pamela Wall Star, who once so eloquently reminded us, reach high for stars lie hidden in your soul. Dream deep for every dream precedes the goal. So Phyllis, as on today, at this moment, what is your life's calling? My calling is what in yoga we call our dharma, right? That's our duty or our life's purpose. Mm -hmm. And I believe that my dharma is to be a yoga teacher. I really love to help people. I love to learn about yoga. Like right now I'm at this place where I feel so thirsty for spiritual knowledge. I never get tired of learning more. And, you know, it never really feels like a job because time flies when I'm teaching and I just enjoy it so much. Now, as you glance back at your life, was there ever a defining moment, a moment that really changed your life? Take us back to that moment. Absolutely. So when I was on that one-year trip I was talking about, I went on this Vipassana, which is a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Mm. And this was at this monastery called Wat Rampong in northern Thailand. And, you know, at the beginning of the journey, I was feeling really lost and kind of unsure of what I wanted to do. So in about the day six or day seven, when I was really deep in my meditation, I decided to ask the question before going in, you know, what should I do with my life? What direction should I take? You know, please guide me. And then I sat down into this meditation and I remember it so vividly because it was different from any other experience that I had. I closed my eyes and I started to see all these colors and I started to visualize what my life would be like if I continued on the path that I was going on. And it was like watching a movie, just like seeing these really quick flashes, seeing these moments and, and just feeling those, those emotions that came with it. So I'd see, you know, me having dinner with my partner or, you know, being dressed up in a suit and going to work and the feelings and emotions I felt from that period all seemed to be a little bit, you know, stressed. Mm. And I felt like this unhappiness or this unsettledness. And it was like, you could see that there was this financial wealth, but there was some underlying unhappiness that was behind it all, like tension. And then when I started to visualize teaching yoga, I started to 
feel these feelings of happiness and bliss. And I would see little glimpses of me teaching a busy class and mm. having these rich, fulfilling relationships with people, interacting with students. And when I thought about that, it was like just so different. And I knew that I wanted to pursue yoga because it felt like something I hadn't really felt before. It was just ecstatic and open and warm. And, you know, I hadn't even done my yoga teacher training at that point. I was going to do it a month later. So this experience really struck me. And when I finished the meditation, I just sat back and was like, wow, what was that? And from that point on, I just knew that everything was going to be very different. Mm -hmm. So what was the experience like once you finished those 10 days of meditation, those 10 days of silence? When you came back to normal world, did you feel awkward with all the bustle and noise around you? Absolutely. That's a great question. You feel so I guess it is a little bit of a shock. When I came out, <laughs> you know, you're, you haven't talked to anybody for 10 days yeah. or made any eye contact <laughs> with anyone and you're used to being really still. And then yeah. when I came out, it's like so much noise and so much chaos that it takes a little bit of time to transition. But sure. I found myself still, you know, going back to my room and meditating at night and while everybody else was out drinking and partying. And I found a lot of peace that came out of that, you know. And and so like it's something that I really appreciate and I keep going back. Um, I'm planning on going back for a third Vipassana this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing those amazing stories. And with that, we have arrived at the final round for today's show which is called the wisdom round four questions that need four rapid fire responses are you ready okay yes i am What is the best advice that someone's ever given you? So when I was in college, I went to visit uh, Sebastian's Aunt Susie in Montreal. And she came over to me and, you know, I'm this young kid. And she, she's like, hey, Phyllis, you know, what do you want to do when you grow older? And I just looked at her and I said, I don't know. And she said, why don't you do something that you love? And I responded with, well, I, you know, what if I'm not good at it? And she said, if you love it, you'll be good at it. Mm. So name a personal habit that keeps you strong. Personal habit that keeps me strong is my meditation practice. I find that it's such a nice way to clear out the mind from distractions or any tension that came through the day. So it's something that often brings me peace of mind and uh, reminds me of non-attachment. So Phyllis, what is your morning routine like? Or do you have a routine in the first place? My favorite routine happens when I'm in Thailand. Uh, I usually stay on a little, in a little bungalow on the beach. And what I do is I wake up at about 5.30 in the morning and I walk out to the beach before anybody else is there. And I do my meditation for about 15 to 30 minutes, usually the Vipassana meditation. And then as the sun starts to come up, I'll put on my headphones and I'll go for a beach jog. I'll listen to electronic music and I'll run with bare feet. And it feels so nice to feel my toes in the sand. And so I'll run up and down on the beach. And after about 30 minutes or so, I'll jump into the water and I'll go for a swim into the ocean. And it's so nice. And from there, I'll come out, get ready, have a fresh fruit shake or something like that. And then I'll go to yoga. And that's my best morning ritual. I love doing that. Great. So name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. So when I was younger, I kept hearing about this book. Everybody kept telling me like, this is my favorite book. You have to read it. And this is a book that really changed my life and made a big impact on me. 
I read it about once a year and it's a gift that I usually give people and kids and, and people like that. It's a story about a young shepherd following his dreams. And uh, the idea in this book is that everybody knows what their personal legend is when they're young. And that's personal legend is something you've always wanted to accomplish. And so there's this quote that I often share in my yoga classes and it goes, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. So I love that book and I highly recommend it. Action Tribe to access today's show notes. Once again, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 141. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 141. So Phyllis, it was phenomenal talking to you today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are super grateful for and also tell us the best way we can find you. Today, I am super grateful for just being invited to be on this show and to get to talk to you. I find this show really inspiring and I really enjoy listening to your podcast. So thank you for the invite. Um, you can find me by my website, which is phyllischan.com. So there you go, Action Tribe. We learned so many things today. We got so many new perspectives today about yoga, the philosophy of yoga. We spoke about retreats. We spoke about taking action and not waiting for the right moment. So whatever is in your mind right now, whatever dream, vision or goal you had, and you were sort of not sure whether it's the right moment to take action, I would suggest write it down first and then find someone who is already successful in the sphere that you want to be and emulate them. Because as Tony Robbins said, success leaves clues. So instead of reinventing the wheel, find a mentor, find a coach or speak to Phyllis by going <laughs> to phyllischan.com. The link is up in the show notes. So, you know, if you want to know more, you can go to our website forward slash 141. So Phyllis, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the healing power of yoga and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much, AJ. It was a pleasure. Listening to My Seven Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.